grip. Nothing personal word of the day. It's April 27, 2002, and the word is grip. Yes, it's a midweek double entendre. Get a grip. That's what pitchers in Major League Baseball are saying. Do you remember last year when MLB got rid of spider tack? That's the substance that pitchers put on their hand. They put it on their butt. Did you see Garrett Cole pitching the other day, Coca? He had that big thing on the back of his butt. When you see a dirty uniform, we would see these uniforms. When a side note, damn it, Coca, I know you don't like it in the first story. But when players come off the field at the end of a day, they take off their uniforms in their laundry baskets in the clubhouse. And they take off their socks, they talk, take off their cups, they take off their shirts, they take off everything they're wearing. And the laundry goes in these baskets. And then the clubhouse kids take the laundry. And every once in a while, you've got executives in the clubhouse like every day. And, you know, we notice the laundry and you're sort of looking at, wow, do we need to order more sunscreen or how are we doing with the dirt, the rosin, the tack, the this, the that? How much time are guys spending in the showers trying to get the crap off their skin? Everybody does it. Everybody's doing it. It's the unspoken rule. And then MLB said, nope, we need better offense. Pitchers, get rid of your substances. So Garrett Cole got knocked around a little bit. The spin rate was a little off. And I told you that offensive players were actually okay with it because they don't want to get hit in the head. And if pitchers can't grab the ball, then they don't exactly know where it's going. Of course, I was really good at signing players who could throw 98 and had no idea where the ball was going, which can make for a very uncomfortable at-bat. So all of the rosin that is used was allowed and everything else was not allowed. Rosin is that little bag. Remember during COVID, the pitchers had to carry their own rosin bag back and forth to the mound because they didn't want to share rosin bags because we were all so scared of dying of COVID. And by the way, we had every right to be because so many millions did. But rosin is something that you put, you it, it's like a drying compound. It sort of dries your hand and gives you a chance to, to, to grip a ball. But then Actually, pitchers want wetness, so you see them wipe their brow. They want to get a sweat going, and it just allows the ball to do things that maybe naturally it wouldn't do. So grip is the word of the day because this year, contrary to the wait to see that I have, that I figured for sure there'd be an agreement between the union and the owners about what pitchers could use, no agreement happened. Therefore, the rule from last year is still in effect even though baseball is trying to come up with its own grip substance that, of course, will be from a company that they're going to buy so they can control it, like the baseballs. Hint, hint. Spoiler alert. Baseball owns the company that makes the baseballs. Anywho, so they couldn't come up with anything, so they decided to keep the rule as is. You can't use anything. So the season is 10% done, as you know from the word of the day from yesterday's show, and hitters are being hit by pitch all the time. And Chris Bassett of the Major League Baseball number one record, New York Mets. That's a whole nother topic. Congratulations to the Mets. You are 10% of the season in and you are leading at the eighth pole. Is that a word in horse racing, Coca? Can you say, often they say, hey, quarter pole. Well, it's early. But Chris Bassett, the newly acquired jettisoned Oakland A's player, pitches for the Mets said, MLB has a very big problem with the baseballs. They're bad, and everybody knows it. Every pitcher in the league knows it. They're bad. They don't care. MLB doesn't give a damn. 
Well, that's not actually true. I can tell you, Chris, that MLB absolutely does give a damn about the sport, about revenues, about money. They actually care about player safety. They'd like players not to get hit. But most importantly, they'd like pitchers not to hit batters because that's not a good look for the game when you have to delay the game and there's a guy lying down in the dirt getting hit in the head. I think the Mets have had a bunch of players hit in the head. Alonzo, Lindor. Why are they getting hit in the head? Do you think it has anything to do with the possibility that they're standing closer to the plate? Take a look at that, if you don't mind. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that if you do not take the inside of the plate, then you are going to give up hits and home runs and then not make money? Does that have anything to do with it? What about pitching coaches when they tell the pitchers before every series in the meeting, hey, we're going to have to work the inside of the plate. We're going to have to go up and in. You want to make Stanton uncomfortable, you go in, but then you do slider away. And in order for the slider away to be impactful, they got to be looking for up and in. You should always think about Field of Dreams. When little Joanne Wally's brother, who plays the doctor when he's a kid, I forgot his name, the actor. He's a little boy in Field of Dreams. He goes up to Kevin Costner and they're talking about what pitch is coming next and tries to teach him about pitch sequencing and says you know he just got you here take a look and see the next pitch is either up in your ear or low and away so look low and away but be ready for up in your ear that is actually what players think about and if they're not worried about up in your ear then it's easy to sit on down and away So baseball is going to read this quote, and guess what they're going to do? Because they're also reading all the players in baseball complaining about the difference in baseballs this year. Everybody. My friend Will Middlebrooks is on it because his Boston Red Sox can't hit a lick. But he's on it saying everybody's telling him the baseballs are different. Everyone's got warning track power now. Everything that sounds, you can hear a home run. It took me five years in the game even though I had Vladimir Guerrero and watched Mark McGuire in spring training every year and Pujols, et cetera, there's a sound. And when you're down sitting close enough to the field, you can hear the crack of the bat. And the sound that results in a home run, this year that sound is resulting in an F7, F8, or F9, mostly F7, F9. It's a totally different kind of sound when you go deep to center field. So the balls are deadened. And the players are wondering, why would they do that? So I just wanted to give you one bit that came from the commissioner's office, just in case you think I'm talking on their behalf, which I'm not, because I don't work there, don't want to work there, not going to work there. But I do speak to people who I used to work with. And sometimes they want things to be clear because they're listening to nothing personal along with Scotty Boras. He was not happy with yesterday's show, Coca. Was yesterday the show where we talked about Conforto? I can't remember. All I know is I like it when people listen to nothing personal and then say, hey, that seemed personal. No, I just said Conforto should have taken the $18.4 million and now you don't care about him. What exactly is wrong with that? QED, baby. That's a math term. Maybe that's a Latin term and a math term. It just means I proved my point. So the commissioner's office has no interest in manipulating salaries and making the ball livelier or more dead. They do have an interest in doing things 
that will increase fan affinity, that will increase ratings. So is there a possibility that back in 98, there was an interest in having a home run chase? Yeah. Is it possible now that they want hitters to hit more singles, doubles, and triples and stop relying on the home run because that's a better game? Yeah. But they're way too smart given the heat that's been on the baseball in previous years. They are way too smart and have not done anything with the baseball through Rawlings, the company they own that makes the baseballs, in order to make it as though the baseball is deader. The seams are not as grippable. That's a whole nother thing that can happen with baseballs. The pitchers can look at the seams of a ball, much like I've told you about Tom Brady and footballs and Deflategate. Basketball players know exactly the PSI in a basketball. Football players know the PSI in a football. Baseball pitchers know the seams, the feel of the seams, the difference between the Japanese ball. Great conversation with Ichiro about the difference between the Japanese ball and the Major League Baseball ball. There are differences. But there is no conspiracy. There is no baseball. There is only lack of command. And Chris Bassett, I've got the answer why players are being hit more. Because today's game has all of a sudden become a velocity game. All of these pitchers are coming in and they're blowing 98. And that's if they're going to just make the team. No longer one guy throwing 98 in your bullpen. Now it's everybody throwing 98. There's none of these screwball pitchers or sinker ball or some guys go fastball changeup, but they're going fastball off 98, 99. You wonder why pitchers blow out more. You wonder why there's so many injuries. Yes, short and spring training, but that's not the only reason. You've got pitchers who realize that in order to butter their bread and make their coin, Miami bit or otherwise, they've got to throw as hard as they can. And what do you lose with velocity, Greg Maddox? You lose command. That's why hitters are being hit the way they're being hit. Be better. New York is the epicenter of baseball right now. It's pretty good. Mets are good. Yankees are always the epicenter of baseball. Yankees with the middle of their lineup. Do you know Joey Gallo hit his first home run last night? This, I mean, why he's on the team, I don't know. He's a feast or famine guy who hits 200. Look at the batting averages of these hitters everywhere. Nobody's hitting the ball. Gallo hit his first home run, got the silent treatment. Hey, he shouldn't get the silent treatment. He's not a rookie. He should get the fingers over your nose like, P.U., you're stinky. That's the treatment I would have given him. But the Yankees were in the news yesterday not because they managed to win a game, because that famous letter finally got unsealed. The letter from the commissioner of baseball in 2017 to Brian Cashman, the subject of back and forth lawsuits and appeals, maybe the Supreme Court, no. They didn't do it. They didn't appeal to the Supreme Court. But you remember a couple weeks ago, we told you that a judge said, we are going to unseal this letter because if the Yankees want to respond to it and clarify anything within the sealed letter that will become unsealed, all they have to do is release a statement that everyone will read and then bing, bang, boom, the public interest is served and the letter is made public. The Yankees fought it as though it had the list of burner phone numbers in it or the list of aliases player used to stay in hotel rooms, or God forbid, the list of people who were allowed on the plane during family trips. The letter got unsealed and there was nothing in it. It was a big fat piece of nothing. 
Yeah, the Yankees got fined $100,000. Yes, the Yankees used their dugout phone to speak to the replay room, which is only supposed to be used to see if you should challenge a call. And they were using it to see, hey, what are the signs? Hey, we've got the signs. Let's get the signs to the second baseman. Hey, the second baseman will give them to the hitter. Do you know what the Astros did that everyone was up in arms about? The same thing. Do you know what the Red Sox did? The same thing. Do you know what every other team did? Yes, you guessed it. The same thing. Cheating in order to be competing. That's what we do when we run a baseball team. We are going to do everything we can. And then once we get caught, we're going to stop for about a New York minute and then start again. Is it cheating, stealing signs when you're the second base runner and you're looking in and trying to figure out the signs and then relaying it according to whether or not you touch your cap, whether or not you stand to the right or left of second base, whether or not you stand above the base, whether you're on the base in order to give the pitch to the hitter? Because if you're a major league hitter and you know what pitch is coming, guess what? You're going to be successful. If you don't know what pitch is coming, then you're guessing like everybody else. So what you do is you study the signs during the course of a series. You hope that the other team is not smart enough to change the signs. We would change our signs all the time, but still there were people getting our signs because there's only so much a player can get. Okay, when we put down one, it's fastball. Two, it's curveball. Three, it's changeup. Four, it's slider. Five, it's screwball. Six, it's knuckleball. If I do four signs in a row, ignore the first three signs and throw the fourth pitch. Or the indicator will be three fingers down, but when I give you the middle finger, it means you suck. There's all sorts of ways that we do signs because we know that everybody's watching. We know. In the Yankees' letter, MLB was very clear to say, Dear Brian, we know you're not using illegal cameras in center field or the cameras from the network that you own in order to zoom in on the catcher in order to get signs and then figure out the sequences. And the Yankees said in their statement, look, we didn't do that. Horse hockey. What feed do you think is in the video room? Just asking for a friend. Our video room had feeds from Fox Sports Florida. We had our own cameras. We tried to get and often did get the visiting team feed. We have a camera focused solely on the catcher putting signs down of the other team. No. We were not the only team doing it. So this was all much ado about nothing, William the Bard. Yet Randy Levine and the Yankees had to put out a statement. MLB had to put out a statement. And it just made me smile. They wanted to make very clear that the Yankees were not engaging in anything the way the Astros did because the Astros were hitting garbage cans in order to communicate to the hitter and to the person on second base. Whereas other teams are using their fingers on their nose, toes, elbows, chins, ears, hat, standing in certain places of the dugout. So the person, the runner on second base or the hitter looks into the dugout, sees the manager is sitting or the hitting coach is standing or pacing or talking or this or with his hat. That's how you communicate. The Astros just said, our players can't keep track, so we're just gonna bang garbage cans. The Yankees used their video replay room. They decoded signs. They passed those signs on to runners. 
Who cares? Just asking. Between us. Do you? Everybody's so upset with the Astros. Although it's the people who the Astros beat. I was upset with the Astros because I thought in 2017 we had such a great chance of winning the World Series with the Marlins. But for the fact that we were a lead certified building where we had plastic garbage cans and therefore whenever we hit them, it made this kind of sound. No one could hear it even with 4,000 people in the stands. What do you think you do when it's a sellout? You need some sort of bongo drums, Emilio and Gloria. On April 22nd, we told you in a wait to see that nothing will be in the letter that is important. Yes, we got it right. There was nothing there. Why did Randy Levine fight it so much and the Yankees? Why did they appeal it and make it sound as though that the national treasure map was somehow contained in that letter? Remember I mentioned because the Yankees were looking out for all future litigations. They were looking out for the concept of discovery going forward. They thought that the court should not in any way ever say that if you are not party to a lawsuit and there's a confidential letter, that that should not be unsealed. Got to keep it private. Attorney-client privilege. That's a real privilege, folks. But Rob Manford's not your attorney. So where do you stand on that? Do you want more information or less? Do you want more transparency or less? Is it your preference that you get an inside look as to what happens with your community, with the companies who you do business with, with your sports teams? We fight till our dying day last breath to give you less transparency. We want to control the transparency. We want to control the narrative and we will cheat in order to do it. But of course, there's something called the judicial branch and that's where the Yankees ran into a brick wall that would even make... Eh. Ready, Coca? Four, six, nine. That's where the Yankees ran into a brick wall that would even stop Max Verstappen. All right, we have something after the break we have, we're going to talk about. Since we're talking about the Supreme Court and the judicial system, there is a fascinating case that one of you asked me about, and we are going to talk about it. So please come back after the break. We're also going to review a movie that one of you told me to watch, and I did. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is me, David Sampson. Thank you. You've come across Nothing Personal. If you're new to this, we do it 45 minutes a day, every day. You rate, you review, you go on Apple Podcasts and write a review. You follow us on Twitter. Please don't get off Twitter. There's no reason to. We give you a lot of fun information. It's a fun follow at David P. Sampson. Spread the word. One of the things I do every day, in addition to showering, running, training, and not sleeping, is watch a movie. And so many of you get into my DMs or tweet at me content that I should watch. So many of you that on my phone I keep a list. One of you said, watch something called Metal Lords. I know you may not like heavy metal music, and I don't. I mean, I, I liked Kiss when I was young because I thought it was really cool, the makeup that they'd wear. I sort of liked the video, we're not going to take it. No, we're not going to take it. I thought it was funny. The first time I ever understood the world was, come on, feel the noise. Safety dance, men without hats, is that metal? Judas Priest? No. Metal Lords, you told me to watch, and I did. But guess what? That is one of the great love story, coming of age movies that I've seen in quite a while. But if you're looking for a story that has music about trying to fit in, trying to have a career, this movie's about a young man trying to start a metal band who needs a drummer, finds a drummer. The drummer becomes a metal drummer. And then there's a girl who plays a cello or a, what's the word for it? Not cello, it's, um, uh, uh, maybe it is a cello. It's, a, it's the violin that you don't hold under your arm, you put it on the floor. It is a cello, thank you. Is a cello just a violin on steroids? Is there any chance that Yo-Yo Ma is not gonna listen to this show and say, my God, you're an idiot? They sort of look alike, don't they? The bow's just bigger. I never understood. When I had to take band at Horace Mann, guess what instrument I chose? I started with the French horn. I'm not musically inclined at all, but I did learn how to read music, which I've now since forgotten. And then as a five foot, 105 pound, tiny man, the French horn was too damn big to schlep around. So I switched to the clarinet. And I still have all of these years later, the feeling that's like chalk on a board or fingernails on a board. Oh, it's making me crazy right now. The feeling when you put a reed in your mouth and if it if you have it in your mouth wrong, it just, ooh, hate that. But it was very easy to schlep all the way to Riverdale. So I took it as long as I had to take it and then done. Switched to chorus, couldn't make that, 
done. And then it was all about intramurals. So there's a boy and a girl and a boy and a boy. And then there's the athletes who are the bullies who don't understand it. And then there's the competition for the best band. All of this is going on. Yet at its core, it's a story about people in high school just trying to get by. And if you're looking for a better movie, go watch Sing Street. Sing Street I've reviewed on this show. And it is also, it stars uh, uh, Rami Malek's girlfriend, who also starred with him in Bohemian Rhapsody, and another guy who was just in a movie as an adult. How's that for helpful? Coca, do you have any idea what's in my mind? The star of Sing Street is a guy, Is it was a kid, now he's a grown-up, and he was just in another movie that I just watched as the friend of the main character. I want to say it could have been Licorice Pizza, but it wasn't. But it was one of the movies from last year's Oscar race that he was in, and he starred in Sing Street. Watch that. Watch School of Rock. And if you're looking for the trifecta, go Metal Lords, but it's clearly the bronze medal. It's not Jack Rayner. No, it's the star, Okay, who is in Sing Street, the star. Uh, the, the, he's got a name that, that could be Irish. It's, it's a name that you may not be able to pronounce. It's got six vowels with one consonant. It's sort of like that actress who you can't pronounce. Yes, that's him. It's Ferdia. I can't remember whatever his last name is. He was in something else. Ferdia walsh Pito. Just tell us what other movie he was just in this year. Are you willing to? Will we go to the next topic while you play the music? Are you looking or do you have to play the music too? Because one of you asked a question. Coda! Yes. My day's been... I want to talk to Samson. Coke and I are in sync. Okay, go watch Coda, then Sing Street, then School of Rock, then Metal Lords. So you want to talk to Samson comes from another movie called The Friday After Next. Just kidding, it comes from Half-Baked. It's when you go into my Twitter, there's a character in the movie called Samson. Ask me a question. All right, everyone... Keep listening to the show right now because we like your attention rate. But understand we're about to talk about a subject that makes people uneasy. Here's the question that someone asked. Can you explain as simply as possible the Supreme Court case with the football coach who prayed after every game? Thanks, David. Yes, I can. I'm going to start at the beginning of this and explain to you that there is a very important concept in our law, and you've heard of it. It's called, generally called the separation of church and state. And what it means in the real world, from a practical standpoint, is that when you have a government, it is critical for that government not to engage its citizens in anything that would be seen as strong-arming religion preferring Catholicism to Judaism or Protestantism or Episcopalian or you name it or it doesn't matter the religion but people have to know in remember going back to the days of British rule and then the war and then all of a sudden we're independent we have a country we didn't want to do things that were done in Britain we talked about that in yesterday's show for a, for a bit as a matter of fact when we we're talking about uh, a, another topic regarding certain amendments and freedom of speech etc so it was very critical to our founding fathers. Can we still say founding fathers? I guess we have to, that's descriptive. Although that may be sort of not nice to say anymore, not acceptable. But we had this concept where 
The government will not interfere with everybody's right, everybody's freedom to practice whatever religion they want. These days, there are people in politics, mostly on the conservative right, who believe that school prayer, as an example, is critical because their view is that certain religions come with better family values. I've never quite understood that, given the fact that I've seen more religious players do more things that violate more of the first 10 commandments than anybody else. Hey, what time is prayer? What time's chapel? We'd always have it before games, Sundays. You have it early in the morning. The guys would be walking in chapel. They'd be hungover, having just gotten out of bed from someone who wasn't their wife. But hey, let's go pray. I never wanted to get in the way of the separation of baseball and religion. But I'll tell you one thing that happened in our clubhouse. While the God squatters would try very hard to get players engaged, they would not force it upon their teammates. And their teammates were grown men. And their teammates would have the ability to say, thanks, but I'm going to pass on chapel this morning. But what happens when you're in school? And you have no choice but to be in school because that's the law. You got to be in school and you're sitting in school and all of a sudden your teacher says, wait a second, before we teach you about the Pythagorean theorem, let's bow our heads and let's say a little prayer. Say a little prayer for me. What do you think the kid's reaction is? Well, I sort of have to say the prayer because what happens if I don't say the prayer? Excuse me, ma'am, Mrs. Yablonowitz, what happens if I don't say the prayer? Oh, nothing, I promise, Johnny, because the principal's right here. Ooh, the principal's gone. I'm gonna give you a C or a P or an I or an F. So then kids who are impressionable and young say, oh, I guess I got to pray. Now I got to pay attention to what the prayers are. Then they go home and say to their mom, hey, you know what we did at school today? Yeah, we prayed. Well, what'd you pray to? I don't know. It was somebody on the front desk and there was a little idol there. And I can't really remember what the idol said. Maybe his name was Billy or something. And we prayed to that idol. And then the parents say, wait a minute. That's against the law. I do not want my child praying to Billy Idol. I want him dancing with himself. So there's been long-standing cases throughout the course of time, and the Supreme Court has made it very clear that public schools, among other places, are not allowed in any way to push religion on students. Separation, church, and state. Well, there's a coach. His name is Joseph Kennedy. I actually have no idea whether he's related to Joseph Kennedy or Robert Kennedy or John Kennedy, but I'm going to assume that he's just another Kennedy. He was the coach of a high school called Bremerton. And after games, he liked to go to the 50-yard line, take a knee, not like Colin Kaepernick, take a knee and say a prayer. And all of a sudden, a bunch of other players came to the middle of the field. Then a bunch of opposing players came to the field. One of the players went home and said, Mommy, I'm taking a knee. I don't want to take a knee. And the mommy said, or the daddy said, you shouldn't have to take a knee called up the school superintendent and said, what's Coach Kennedy doing? They sent a letter to Coach Kennedy saying, stop it. You may not pray after games. These are young kids, high school kids, and they're feeling as though if they don't pray, then they may not play. Coach Kennedy said, horse hockey. I made two players who didn't pray captains of the team. I don't want drones, he said. I want kids who are willing to stand on their own two knees. 
But the school superintendent and the school system said, eh, don't think so. Stop praying. Coach Kennedy kept praying. It was a religious thing for him. It was a spiritual thing for him. Does not matter. He then was fired. He then got lawyers. He then sued. He has not won at any level, but he became famous because Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, among others, brought this case to the attention of Americans because they believe that in order for America to be great again, we've got to be not religious, but moral, and all of the great attributes that come with living a pious, righteous life. Which, of course, is laughable, given the behavior of certain people who shall remain nameless, if you don't mind. (laughs) But it is pretty funny. Are you listening, CBS? I didn't say it was Trump who did it. I'm just saying that it's funny to be religious and then also do the other stuff. Like grabbing it. But anyway. So, this guy, Joseph Kennedy, became the spokesperson, if you will, who was being used by these far-right organizations in order to try to chip away at the separation of church and state. The Supreme Court agreed to hear the case because Joseph Kennedy has lost every step of the way, but there are people who have taken over who are forcing him to continue to appeal and continue to appeal. And now with the court split the way it is, which is six to three, quite conservative, there is a thought that the court could say that, listen, this was not actually a violation of the Constitution. It is absolutely okay to have a prayer after a game that is not compulsory. And it's okay to have it done in a public school. What happens if that's the result? So I just want you to picture what the Supreme Court does. They make decisions based on a case in front of them. They are then allowed to decide that case in a very narrow way. A narrow way would be in this particular circumstance, Joseph Kennedy should have been allowed to keep his job for the following five reasons, while not opining on whether or not the prayer or the religious part of it is even decided. They don't comment on it. Therefore, this case cannot be used as precedent going forward. Or they could say what Joseph Kennedy doing, put the K in kosher, no problem at all. We encourage it. We need it. It's part of making America great and building better family values. Then the next time there's someone who goes in and brings in the priest, the rabbi, and the Buddhist monk, they bring them after the game. They say, hey, you better come pray because we're doing a pregame, postgame, and during fifth period before your exam. And if you're Jewish, sorry. If you're Catholic, sorry. But if you're Buddhist, you're in like Errol. Flynn. That could be a holding that the Supreme Court could rule. So this is a case we all have to watch. Why does it interest you? Because there's one thing that you shouldn't stand for, no matter what your policies are, no matter what your side of the aisle is. Are you conservative? Are you liberal? There should be one thing that matters to you. And it's the first word of the press, the first word of religion, the first word to assemble, the word is freedom. George Michael had it, freedom. That's what we're fighting for here. 
It's the freedom for me to be me and you to be you and never the two shall meet if they can't because they're on parallel lines. What's the mathematical rule of parallel lines? They never cross. It's been one of the themes I've had on Nothing Personal. One of the reasons I'm so angered by people who try to get me to do things I don't want to do just because they do it and they don't like that I do what I do, yet what I do never gets in the way of what they do. Do whatever you want. Be whoever you want to be. But leave me alone. I don't care what your sexual preference is. I don't care what your religious preference is. You be you. You be happy. There's a quote out there about time by Carl Sandburg. And the quote talks about the concept that you and I discuss over and over again on this show. Time is the one commodity that we cannot get back. And when people are out there taking your time, you better be careful because you're losing it. So be very careful who you give your time to. That's why when you DM me and I respond saying I don't take your time for granted, you give me 45 minutes a day, why does that matter to me? Because you don't get those 45 minutes back. So I don't want a Supreme Court, I don't want a government who is going to tell me what to do and when to do it. Pay attention to this case. Pay attention to the separation of church and state. But on top of that, pay attention to other people telling you to do things or telling you you can't do things that in no way impact them. Thanks for the question. Nothing personal pick of the day. We did it, Coca. We had a parlay yesterday. Did you watch the Memphis Grizzlies game? I was trying to figure out two things that you could help me with after this show, if you don't mind. When I see a play happen in real time, how is it that other people on Twitter get the video and can tweet the video? And I have no idea how to do that. I wanted to tweet the video of the John Morant dunk in the fourth quarter. Please look for that right now. I got to watch Jordan. I got to watch Connie Hawkins. I got to watch... Daryl Dawkins. I got to watch Dominique Wilkins. I got to watch Kobe Bryant. Some of the greatest dunkers in the history of basketball. Those are the greatest dunkers. What John Morant did last night against the Alex Rodriguez Wolves. He was there courtside because he's a part owner of the Wolves. I wonder what he did in Memphis. Did he go to Beale Street after the game? I would tell you he probably went to the airport to get right back on the plane to get a quick workout in before having to go to Minnesota for game six. John Morant had a dunk that you just don't see in games. The Memphis Grizzlies should have lost that game. Somehow they came back and won it, and that was the first part of the parlay. The second part was the Miami Heat without Jimmy Buckets. Didn't know that when I made the pick. Without Kyle Lowry, did know that when I made the pick. But the Heat beat the Hawks. Trey Young was just horrific, which helped my wait to see if Luka Doncic will win a title before Trey Young. The Hawks are gone. We won the parlay. I got another parlay for you today because I'm going to keep doing it till we lose, right? The Milwaukee Bucks are going to finish off the Chicago Bulls. And 
the Golden State Warriors are going to finish off the Denver Nuggets. Now, Coco was upset when we were talking about the show because he said this parlay pays negative money. I guess you bet a dollar to audit, even if the parlay wins, you have to give still 37 cents. I'm not sure why that's a good bet. But in any case, that's the pick. Bucks, Warriors, money line. Okay, Trey Young finished that series with more turnovers than shots made. That's not very good, is it? Thank you, Coca. Did you see what else happened in the NBA yesterday? I wanted to wait until the end of this series to talk about it, but it's too good because we've been talking about the Supreme Court so much in this show. Jerry West, who's the logo of the NBA, Jerry West, one of the great players and great executives of all time in the NBA, is very upset with the new Adam McKay show on HBO Max called Winning Time. And I've been watching it every Sunday. And Thomas Paul, Paul uh, Coca, Paul C. Riley, I don't think that. C. Thomas Howell, John C. Riley, crap. The guy from Step Brothers, the guy from Talladega Nights, John C. Riley. Love him. He's like the muse for Adam McKay. He plays Dr. Jerry Buss, the owner of the Lakers. This is a show called Winning Time, and it's about the formation of the Lakers dynasty, the beginning of Showtime. It starts with the drafting of Irvin Magic Johnson. Jerry West is portrayed in this series as something other than what he's like. It portrays him as a lunatic, a depressed lunatic, and Jerry West is none too happy. So Jerry West got lawyers and sent a letter to HBO, who's airing the show, and Adam McKay, who wrote the show, producing the show, et cetera, and said, I want a retraction and an apology within two weeks of receipt of this letter. You have legally defamed me. You have made me look to be an ogre, and I'm a great guy. Jerry West has gotten a bunch of other people to come to his defense, including Lou Alcindor, who's in this as Lou Alcindor and then becomes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who gave a great quote saying that every way that Jerry West is portrayed is not accurate. They make for good drama, but it's about exploitation. Guess what? When you are doing a series that is based on a true story or based on a book that is based on a true story, but you put a little caveat at the end saying this is not all true. Some of the events have been fictionalized and dramatized for the purpose of your entertainment. If people watching the show are stupid enough to think that everything in the show actually happened, then they're just stupid enough to think that everything happened. N-O-P. Not our problem. The beautiful thing about our legal system is that we are not responsible for other people's stupidity. And as much as it can be painful to watch a movie about yourself, which has your name in it, except you didn't cooperate, and it does not show you in the best possible light, that doesn't mean you've got legal recourse. But HBO was forced to respond. They said HBO has a long history of producing compelling content drawn from actual facts and events that are fictionalized in part for dramatic purposes. Winning time is not a documentary. Pay attention. Winning time is not 
a documentary, Jerry. Documentaries are movies which have the actual people giving interviews. Sometimes they redo certain things for purposes of the documentary. They stage certain scenes. But then they'll give you a caveat saying certain parts of this documentary did not happen in the exact order in which they're depicted or in the exact way in which they were depicted because there was no one filming at the time. When you are watching movies that say based on a true story, do you actually believe that everything you're watching is true? Based on true events. How about this is a true story? Oliver Stone was really good at that with JFK, which I know you remember. Everyone left that movie saying, ooh, amazing. It couldn't have just been Lee Harvey Oswald. Winning time is extremely entertaining. And I feel badly for Jerry West. And what I feel badly about is that he's an octogenarian who's trying in his last decades to make sure that his legacy is what he actually did, not what TV is going to record him as having done. And we know that TV shows last forever. So Jerry West has said, I'm taking this all the way to the Supreme Court. I've got a bit of a lesson for Jerry West in legal jurisprudence. You don't get to decide what goes to the Supreme Court. You can appeal to the Supreme Court. You can say to the Supreme Court, hey, pretty please, will you listen to my case? But the Supreme Court of our land decides what cases it hears. You file a brief, it's called the writ of certiorari, and you say, what about this case? And the Supreme Court says, eh, nah. This case of Jerry West against HBO has as much chance of getting to the Supreme Court as I do, as an attorney, which is zero. Do you think HBO is going to send a letter of apology to Jerry West within two weeks of receipt of this letter from Jerry West to HBO? No. Do you think there is a chance, one tiny chance, that HBO is going to pay attention to the way these dramas or dramatizations are filmed or say to Adam McKay, we appreciate your creativity, but you've gone over the line. No. I'll give you a full wait to see, which is when we tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But the cool thing about nothing personal is I promise you that we will revisit it. HBO will not issue an apology or a retraction to Jerry West. You wait to see. And the reason they won't is they don't need to. They don't have to. They're not legally obligated to. But above that, what Adam McKay does for HBO, what these sh shows do for HBO, guess what? It's just business. Come on, Jerry. We love you, man. It's nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 